The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest episode of Star Trek Picard, Fly Me to the Moon. I got, I got to sing it. I mean, it's just... <laughs> I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. Folks, be sure to stick around to the end. We're going to have your listener feedback on our most two most recent episodes, uh, which is fun. Follow our Secrets of Star Trek on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you get podcasts from. And uh, your favorite podcast app. We also have a YouTube channel, the StarQuest Media YouTube channel, where you can also listen to our podcasts. Uh, Be sure to check out another show on the network that I'm sure you'll enjoy called Raising the Bets. It's a show I do with my wife, Melanie. You can find it, again, wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash bets. That's B-E-T-T-S. Because it's a pun. It's a pun. Yeah. Uh, what was mm-hmm. it? Angela Cialano just, just got the pun after several years. Uh, the oh. other day she was telling me, like, <laughs> I just got the pun. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's uh, talk about this episode. Uh, Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happens in this? Last time, Picard met the Watcher, who looks strangely like a human version of his Romulan would-be girlfriend, Laris. This time, it turns out that the Watcher isn't Laris, but we don't yet know why she looks like her. We do know that she's working for the same alien race that Gary Seven was working for in the original series, and that she's been assigned to protect one of Picard's ancestors, a young astronaut named Rene Picard. Rene is supposed to fly on a mission to the Jovian moon Europa. So this is one of Jupiter's moons, not ours. Mm -hmm. That's the fly me to the moon part. Right. uh, In three days time. But she has psychological problems that Q has been exploiting to convince her not to go on the mission. And Picard concludes that uh, this must be how Q changes the future. So he, the Watcher and the La Serena gang need to intervene to keep Renee on the mission. They need to infiltrate a high-security, extra-special going-away party that Renee is attending, and they have to help keep her on the Europa mission without directly making contact with her, as if that's likely to happen. Hmm. Meanwhile, Q is also manipulating geneticist Adam Sung, who has a daughter with an incurable genetic, genetic disease. Q offers him the cure in exchange for his help. Also, meanwhile, Raffi and Seven rescue Crystal Ball from being disappeared by La Migra, <laughs> and the Borg Queen uh, manages to trick Alice into letting herself get kind of sort of assimilated. So even though Agnes shoots the Borg Queen's body dead with a shotgun, the Borg Queen is still living inside Agnes's head. The end. Mm. Boy, that, that, gives, that gives new meaning to you know someone living rent-free in your head. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. So, uh, the first to start off uh, pointing out that uh, Jonathan Frakes directed this one. So, uh, mm-hmm. so now we know who to blame. We knew who to blame for the, for the well, and, partially. And, the and writers, Le- too. <laughs> yeah. And Leah Thompson shows up as one of the panelists. She's the female panelist in the middle. Yeah, that was fun to see her there because she directed the last two episodes. So it's kind of fun to see her show up here. Um, so we find out that this astronaut with an accent. She's, she's back from the future. 
Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. nice. The, uh, the we have this this young woman astronaut uh, with an accent in a NASA spaceship simulator. It turns out, like you said, she's Renee Picard, who's being watched. It's his ancestor, and uh, I had problems with some of this. <laughs> And not just oh. the fact that names tend to be passed down through the male line instead of the female line. Yeah. Well, she's like great aunt something, something, you know, they they kind of, but yeah, but yeah. she's, she's 24. So therefore she's young and she's a prodigy. Why can't she just be like a regular 38 year old person who has worked their whole life to get to this position? Like why does she, she have, yeah. based on what we, I have in my notes, based on what the, the watcher tells us, about her because she's been watching her for 20 something years and has never met her, but has been watching her develop. And based on her description, Renee Picard is a total Mary Sue. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, she right. just has all these accomplishments. Accomplishments. She is so wonderful. She's just the bestest person ever. And of course, she has the typical Mary Sue tragic flaw, which is she is so psychologically unstable. She <laughs> does not belong on this mission. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and and she apparently does all her training by herself and not with the rest of her crew, you know, which we you would train with your crew. Um, yeah. Because, well, the other thing that bothers me is why is she in Los Angeles? Like this is 2024 where this is this, the time standing. It, she should it, be in Alabama training well, at, the, at at Redstone well, well, or Houston or or, <laughs> or Houston or in uh, Kennedy. Or, I mean, or maybe at Vandenberg, but. They don't really want, I don't know. It's just, it bugs me. Like it's, it's the <laughs> California centric production thing. Like just make a set that looks like Florida. You've got transporters. You just transported from France, transport to Kennedy or Houston. You know, it just, uh, it irks me when you have such basic details and you don't care to, to, to get them right. You know, uh, I, I, I just got done watching Apollo 13, which does it so well. <laughs> Getting these details wrong. I'm not a fan of Apollo 13. They 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 make they make Tom Hanks into a Larry Stew in that, and he is just so perfect compared. And they they do so at the expense of the reputations of the other astronauts who were on the Apollo 13 flight. Mm -hmm. They make they they diminish their characters and make them look bad in order to make Tom Hanks's character look good. Mm. And they falsify the historical record in doing that. These other the other astronauts who were not the ones being played by by uh, Tom Hanks themselves were heroes. And it, it, it does their memories an injustice to make them look bad just to, you know, just to suck up to uh, to Tom Hanks. Well, and, and remember, too, Apollo 13 was as much a Tom Hanks project as it was a Ron Howard project. Well, so. it, was a, it was actually based on the book by Jim Lovell. So that they kind of based a lot of it on. His that book. helps, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you want more on Apollo 13 secrets of movies and TV shows in a couple of weeks, we'll have that episode. So. Oh, really? OK. okay. Cool. Yes. Uh, so uh, but back to this one and it's flaws, uh, but also the good points. Um you yeah, I didn't hate this episode. No, no, I didn't no. either. I didn't either. There was just a, the annoyances of the. the I, I'm a nerd, so the 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 details that I lo- that are very important to me uh, are important See, to me. The the Los Angeles part, I just head it out of their launching from Vandenberg because Vandenberg's okay. just right outside of Los Angeles. Sure. I mean, it's relatively speaking, you know, it's just that's head cannon. That's easily, you know, no big deal. Couple yes. hour bus ride there, and yeah. Vandenberg. So also they they seem to be taking the approach that they're no longer pretending that the that this universe is ours when they come back to 
2024 um, because they have technology we don't have. Like um, the um, Adam Sung's daughter, Soji. I'm just going to call her Soji because she's played by the same actress as Soji. For some reason. (laughs) It's easy enough enough for me to remember. Her name's Corey. Corey. Which is spelled oh, differently. Oh, that's right. It is. That's right. Okay. So his name, her name is Corey, although it's spelled differently. So Corey slash Soji slash, you know, Dodge um, is, uh, has this skin condition where outside air burns her and sunlight mm-hmm. burns her. And he's got force field drones. I know. You know that he's like yeah. picked up at Walmart or something. He's got these Walmart force field drones to shield her from direct sunlight when they're outside. And we don't have that technology. Well, and th- they also refer in when he's applying for uh, some funding for genetic research, the panel, the discussion between him and the, the panel of funders alludes to the eugenics wars in mm-hmm. the 1990s and the accord that has kept the peace since then that en- en- enacted strict protocols on genetic engineering apparently and um and so they they seem to be no longer trying to ignore the differences between the star trek universe right. and our universe in this time frame yeah yeah I mean, you just had to deal with the fact you know the whole con in the 90s and that sort of stuff they i think this is them definitively saying this we're just going to go with what the timeline established by the previous series yeah um, I do like the fact that I do kind of hope that uh, DJI has a new Mavic, uh, you know, in the research stage, which has force fields, because that would be kind of cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, kind of expensive because you'd have to have you have to have multiple of them for it to work. Well, that's true. That's true. Anyway, I, I, I find it interesting that Rene Picard's even though Picard says that there's so little known about the history of this period because they're right on the eve of the great disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next hundred years are really bad. Um, the one thing they do know about Rene Picard is that on IO, which is a different Jovian moon, um, she finds a microorganism that she believes is sentient and brings it back to earth. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, okay, that's way more interesting than a lot yeah. of what's going on. I want yeah. to know about this sentient microorganism and do not bring microorganisms back to earth, <laughs> especially <laughs> sentient ones. Okay. Have you right. seen invasion of the body snatchers? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I know. Right. Uh, I, I really hope that we do get explanations for why does Lar- why does Talon, the watcher look like Laris? Why does Corey, Look like Soji. Like again, I mean, Soji was built by Doctor Sung, right? Future Doctor Sung, but future Doctor, not the same Doctor Sung. So why would he like designer after presumably a great 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 grandmother of some? Like, I just, I don't know. It's or is it just we need to bring the actress in and keep her involved in the in the season? That's probably part of it. Wave our hand at it. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, she's not in that many episodes so far. Um, yeah. But and they I, I, I assume it's just kind of an in joke for mm-hmm. the audience that, right. OK, it goes all the way back to the creation of data when they decided to cast Brent Spiner, not only as data, but also as lore and as Eric Sung. Yeah. Right. Um, or Noonien Sung. Um, and that just kind of started the ball rolling where, okay, you have, you have geneticists who are obsessed or cyberneticists who are obsessed with, with making androids that use the faces of real people. 
Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's true. And, and the fact that the entire Soong line looks identical. Yep. Literally. Mm-hmm. All the men look the same. Uh, so yes they do right they're the same they're exactly the same guy uh so by the way notice that it was adam sung in the in the dystopian hell future that we saw the statue of that a big statue big big statue proclaiming a safe galaxy is a human galaxy so that suggests that he's the originator of that phrase well and and frankly that that may mm -hmm. be a, a good a good point to bring up now where it looks like the whole um, Rene Picard thing is a red herring that she's mm-hmm. she's a, or only partially part of what mm-hmm. changes the future. That is really what Q is doing with Sung that is going to bring about this dystopian future that we're so afraid of. That could be. Yeah. Oh, also, um, by the way, I wanted to notice when in the fundraising scene mm-hmm. with Leah Thompson and and Brent Spiner and so forth, um, the vice there are like three people on the review panel, mm-hmm. um, yep. and and on, and one of them is named Doctor Vasily Roshenko. So I'm assuming oh, he's, he's I'm oh. assuming he's he's the vice chair of the committee and I assume he's meant to be an ancestor of Worf's human parents. Right. Nice. Yep. That's a good catch on that one. That is a good mm-hmm. one. And so they also hang a lantern, you know, they put a, a pin in the Gary Seven. The watchers are the same people as the the people behind Gary Seven from the original series, as you mentioned. Who um, was called Supervisor Gary Seven, and right. and Tana, Talon says she is a supervisor too, right? Right. Oh, we we should explain. So Gary Seven in Assignment Earth, which was the season finale to uh, season two of the original series, uh, Gary Seven was apparently assigned to watch over Earth in general because of the difficulties that it was about to encounter. But Talon says that she is assigned to um, to watch over a particular person. Uh, and, and she acknowledges that there are supervisors like Seven, but her mission is to watch over Rene Picard because, as she said, sometimes protecting the timeline means protecting one thread in the tapestry. Mm. Right, right, right. Um. Then we have the Borg Queen back on the La Serena, while oh uh, while Agnes is napping in the in the uh, the the, uh, the mansion the, the mansion the, yep. the, the devastated mansion. Uh, the Borg Queen starts listening to radio transmissions and cell phone transmissions. She's and- surfing the internet. She's doing what <laughs> yeah. everybody does to avoid loneliness. And then, she, <laughs> but she calls the police and says, uh, "Help! Help!" In French, I'm you know I'm being attacked. Please come quickly to the old Picard winery, uh, which brings the poor unfortunate cop to uh to the to the rescue and uh she I, has, I did get a kick out of how she got an operator on a cell phone it's like yeah. when's the last time you actually had an operator that would direct your call <laughs> right right and then uh instead of assimilating him because she can't she doesn't have the nanobots apparently yeah but she then how did. She, I know she she extends the little assimilation when when she, we later learn they don't show us yeah. this up front, but we later learn that when Agnes comes to the rescue, um, she, she she extends the assimilation to tubules and pricks um, Agnes's cheek and apparently injects her with nanobots. Yeah, right. And even though they've said before that she they didn't have any, so maybe she just had a few and had to sort of hold back and. Instead or of just assimilating brought, the whole crew? 
or yeah. got them brought back online or something. Something. But they're, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they had said in, in the future that there was a, there was a voiceover that said something extensive, you know, nanobots destroyed or removed or something like that. Right. I can't remember exactly what it was, but then now all of a sudden she's got the nanobots do, again. Do they call them nanobots or nanites in this? Because nanites. We, yeah. Because I think at TNG, they classically called them nanites, but modern day we call them nanobots. But um, it, but in any case, it, yeah, I think I think that must be what it is because it, she also couldn't take over. Didn't have enough to take over Alice altogether. So, um, so meanwhile, you mentioned that uh, uh, the Seven and um, Rafi rescue Crystal Ball and uh, mm-hmm. by EMPing the ice bus out of a tricorder. This is tricorders are becoming more and more like sonic screwdrivers. Not yes. only can not only can you scan with them, you can manipulate things with them. Right. I'm going to go buy a Galaxy Fold. I mean, that thing you is cool. Them, you turn an EMP <laughs> pulser. You can turn them into a taser. You can. I mean, it's amazing what you can do with them. Get the, the, a floor wax and a dessert topping. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they, we find, they are approaching being mother box technology. Yes, they are. Um, so we find out that Renee was the one that Q was watching. We still don't know why Q was watching Renee and why he was trying to uh, snap and why he uh, couldn't. So, well, I assume that the, the whole thing with the, where he was talking to her and then did his little snap thing was that he wanted to, um, he wanted to try to do the easy way of just, you know, manipulating her mind controlling her basically. And it right. didn't work. And that's why he went, that's unexpected and unfortunate. Right. Then he has to do it the hard way now. Like, we still don't know what Q's motive is here. It, and we, and it's unclear from the beginning because, you know, Picard is, assumes that Q has decided to change the future out of, I don't know, peak or, you know, just being uh, the god of mischief or, or something. But it seems like Q's got something else going on. Oh, that yeah, we still he don't does. Know and and they're, they're holding that back probably till the end. But mm-hmm. once again, Picard is falsely suspicious of Q. Right, right. Um. Yeah, he, he he the initial encounters with Q really has just set the tone for their encounters ever since. So we like we mentioned we have uh Dr. Adam Sung and uh his he's he's a geneticist trying to fix Corey, uh, who looks like Soji, and um Q contacts Sung in a very unique way. He cracks into his network and 3D prints a business card with a phone yeah. number on it, which if you call that number, there is a message from Q on it for you. You reached the Q continuum. <laughs> it was pretty yeah. awesome. It was Father. It was uh, Father Andrew Kinstetter told told me make sure you call the number because it actually works. It wasn't a five 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 number. I, I I meant to download that and um, and maybe uh, I didn't get around to it, but maybe we can insert that as a stinger at the end of this episode or something. Yeah, yeah if, absolutely. If I can get it quickly after we're finished recording, I'll, I'll try to do that. Yeah, because that would be fun. Um. So and now the idea of I like the idea of 3D printing uh, business cards. I think that's kind of a cool thing to do. That might be worth considering. But the yeah. way he did it too was pretty cool. It was a clever way of hacking in. I, I, I got to give the writers credit on that one. That was a good one. It looked like a metal business card. Yeah, 3D printing metal must be again uh, a little. Well, some of the high end like government agency 3D printers mm-hmm. can print more than just plastic. So maybe he yeah. had something like that. And it could have just been a gray plastic. But <laughs> I have I have a tooth that was made on a uh, a ceramic three uh, D printer. Oh, cool! It was wow. carved. It was carved out of a little block. But they they yeah. lay me down in the chair. They need to put in a crown, and so they 
they rip off the previous tooth and then like image the the the, the socket, socket. yeah and yep. then they CAD design the new tooth and then send that file over to their printer and it takes a little block of porcelain and chips it out. Fifteen minutes later, they bring it over and pop it on my on the stub in my mouth to wow. make the new tooth. What a world That's we cool. live in. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. In, in, in dentistry, uh, CNC milling and 3D <laughs> printing. and <laughs> That is so cool. I love that. So uh, meanwhile, back in the Paris uh, or the France, the French mm-hmm. cop, stumbles on the cloaked ship and is captured by the queen, as we mentioned. By the way, I just want to say I love how the queen gets to make that cell phone call. Yeah. Because she she's she's telling the computer, you know, access local cell towers and and the computer keeps telling her voice not authorized. So she tries Gerardi's voice and that doesn't yep. work. And she tries Picard's voice and that doesn't work. And finally, she tries Crystal Ball's voice and that works. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And then because um, because it's his ship. Right. Yeah, exactly. And instead of killing the cop or assimilating him, like I mentioned, uh, she's trying to coerce Agnes into assimilation. But it's mm-hmm. a it, it turns out that's a it's a it's a, a fake out. She's fake. It's because she's already yeah. got her assimilated. She's trying to get Agnes to kill kill that body. Right. Like, no. what is her goal here? No. So Agnes has goal, already been infected. She, she, ha- she hasn't already been infected. Um, oh. What happens is she's got the cop and she gets on the loudspeaker to wake Agnes up in the house and oh, right. gets gets Agnes over to the ship and says, I'm getting out of here and either I can take this guy or I can take you, who I'm much more interested in. Um, so you either let me assimilate you or I'm going to assimilate this guy. But one way or another, I'm getting out of here. And it's at that point that Agnes whips out the shotgun and kills the Borg Queen's body, at least from what we see that's what happens. Right. right. Um, and then when we, when the others get back, Agnes is all panicked and like, I think I just killed our only way home. And she explains that what she did was she shot her basically at the base of the brain. So severed mm-hmm. the brain stem and mm-hmm. and yeah, that would do it. Um, so, uh, but then later in flashback, we see that she got up close to the Borg Queen. And I thought, and I'm a little confused on this point, I thought this was after she shot her through the brainstem. Yes. Um, but I don't then know how the Borg Queen is still functioning if she's been shot through the brainstem. Um, But the Borg Queen is talking to her and puts her hand up to her face and extends the tubules and pricks her cheek and and assimilates her that way. Yeah. You know, it it looked like the Borg Queen had been shot at that point, but wasn't dead yet. So the whole thing about shooting through the brainstem was... Yeah, well, that's kind of instant. You lose control of your body if you have a severed brainstem. I'm saying it was a red herring. Maybe Mm -hmm. she didn't actually get the the brainstem, like she said. This also was a two-barreled shotgun, so... Yeah. So what do you think of this as a a writing gimmick? The, you know, we, we say one thing, but later on we'll do in a flashback and show you the rest of what happened is that well, does it feel gimmicky or well is it, it, worthwhile? it can sometimes but i didn't mind it in this case okay yeah, yeah I didn't because I, yeah. I i i enjoyed seeing agnes do the do the obvious thing and just kill the board queen you know <laughs> yeah. that was great right. and then to have it turn out to be pre-planned by the board queen who has who as part of her escape plan get out through mm-hmm. that way because she doesn't have legs um, you know, uh, get out through Agnes. That that's a reasonable plan on the part of the Borg Queen. So I didn't, 
I didn't have a problem with it. And as we mentioned, I think last time, there's some suggestion that maybe Agnes is the new Borg queen, and maybe that's why there was a mask right. in the in the year 20, uh, 2501 or 2401 yep. all yep. over the new Borg queen to conceal the identity. That may be Agnes under that mask. Yep. Right. Well, at this point, if as she killed the Borg queen, I kind of suspected that that the Boa Queen was in Agnes's head in one form or another. Mm-hmm. And that that's how they're going to get back because of course they have to get yeah. back. And yeah. so that was going to be how they get back. But um, uh, so we have this great scene where Q is offers to trade a cure for Corey for something he wants from Sung. And they meet in this restaurant. And I really enjoyed that interplay between uh, uh, Brett Spiner and John Delancey. And it was kind mm-hmm. of fun, um, especially with, with uh, Brett Spiner not having to be, very you know stick in the mud data but could be yeah. a little more uh human i like how he he talks about as a geneticist he gets all these messages from crazy people <laughs> yeah. and, and it's like when you run a podcast called mysterious world <laughs> yeah people send you all kinds of things yes or they do. when you're or when you're a catholic apologist um mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> crazy people send you stuff <laughs> yes they do yeah i think priests too believe me <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and so they have this great this great interaction in the restaurant where where q says in 17 seconds you're going to sit down uh after i tell you this and which he says on the dot uh, he sits down and they they have this conversation he's going to give them this genetic treatment for Corey. Which she takes, he injects her with it, and this genetic treatment works instantaneously. For about five minutes. For about five minutes. But it's like instant genetic change. change. Yep. Yeah, I'm not sure how that would work. Um and but for five minutes, because Q wants to, you know, he's he's classic here, I'll give you a taste of it, and now you know I'm serious. So now you'll really do the thing I want you to do that you're not gonna want to do. And uh he has this line, he says, We're all hostages to what we love. To be truly free would be to love nothing. And how meaningless would that be? Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting kind of twist. Like at first it sounds like he's saying that love is bad, mm-hmm. but he's saying love is good. But And it's like, yeah. Q, you've grown over the last 40 years. <laughs> yes, yeah. he has. Well, you wonder, is Q talking about more than just Sung and his daughter? Is Q talking oh, about Oh, he's himself? talking about himself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what is it that Q now loves that he feels hostage to? Is it like, does he have a, a, a fraternal love for Picard now or paternal like? That, that could be it. And they've hinted that there's something going on with Q, not just the, the, the snapping failing, but other yeah. things going that something's going on that he's starting to recognize love for the continuum, Q continuum, or who knows? Also, he, continuum. Has, he has a wife and a child in the Q continuum. Yes, he does. Yeah. yeah I was going to say that. Yep. So. It's interesting. I, I really hope that what they're doing is they're developing Q. They're helping this character grow through this series as opposed to just throwing him in here as a as a chaotic element. Um, I, I really I'm looking forward to seeing that they that them do something with it. Um, so they have to you mentioned they have to go to this this astronaut party to, you know, the, the gal- <laughs> ridiculously over the top security. <laughs> yeah. Right, I right. mean, all of, all of all of a sudden this becomes uh, this becomes a caper plot. Where yes. we, yeah. we've got a, you know, this is ocean, this is Picard Ocean's Eleven. We've got to break into this super secret going away party and and do something that's going to help 
Renee Picard stay on the mission, even though she is clearly psychologically disqualified from even being on it. Right. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. Like the the intel. I mean, the the security is like like if you had the president of the United States attending. Like these are just astronauts, mm-hmm. you know. But it's genetic. Like like they have to be genetically tested in the database and facial recognition and special passes that are linked to your biography and all kinds of stuff. And the super advanced watcher who manages to transport about, you know, and watch someone for 20 years without being seen and has the ability to apparently observe things going on everywhere. can only make one ID for convenience's sake. (laughs) I thought that was a little hard to believe. So it's Agnes is the one who has to go in and break into the database from the inside because and, she's she's taken intro to ancient coding. Yeah, sure. Like that's, that's yeah, uh huh. Yeah, yep. nice nice elective you took there in school. Yeah, uh, it's it, it, once again writers and computer yeah. stuff. <laughs> and I'm, so, I'm not saying it's not fun. It's just not realistic. No, it's not. It's not. Um, the band, by the way, is playing "Fly Me to the Moon" uh, at the mm-hmm. uh, at the at the thing. So I did notice that. Um, and the whole the whole idea was that she would get in and get arrested, like that they would detain her. They would notice that she didn't belong and that would get her into the security room, which they assumed that they would take her to. Lucky with, they didn't have any cells on hand. <laughs> right. Whisk yeah. her off into a, a cruiser and take her to the police station. Um, yeah. So which is where she wanted to go, though. She wanted to go to the security room. And that's when we see that the Borg Queen has assimilated Agnes and is present with her there in the room. Uh, so that's, mm-hmm. that's where we end on our cliffhanger. Um, so any other thoughts on this episode, Father Corey? Eh, nothing here. Jimmy? Um, so at one point, Seven mentions to Rafi that she is in grief, not only because of Elnor's death, but also because of Gabe. It, you may remember from last season, Gabe is Gabriel Huang, uh, Rafi's mm. estranged son with the Romulan wife. Right, right. And um, so Rafi has got a lot on her mind. And after they break Crystal Ball out of the bus, um, she hallucinates momentarily that one of the other people is Elnor uh, because there is a guy who's getting off the bus that looks kind of like Elnor. But then when she sees him um, up close, he's, he's not, Uh, but she does have, have this hallucination. And once again, as they're about to break them out of the bus, when Rios realizes that they've just been hit with an EMP from a tricorder and that's knocked out the bus, we have the totally believable mm. they deceive La Migra again by speaking in front of them in Spanish <laughs> and and saying things like, be ready. OK, if I, La Migra is going to know Spanish well enough to recognize be ready. Right. You know, yep. <laughs> I hear be ready. I'm, I'm that's that's taken over. OK, the prisoners are planning an escape. Yeah. Deal with that. Don't deal with anything else. Well, let's let's start with the whole idea of, you know, he like the bus breaks down and he unlocks the cage to go in there. Let them talk and move around and start fights or whatever. Leave them in the cage. There's a reason they're in the cage when you're on the other side of the door. 
So, Jimmy, I, I just wanted to ask, you mentioned you, you, you call it La Migra, you know, the ICE officers, you call it La Migra. Is there a reason mm-hmm. you call it La Migra? Is that a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, no, no, that's, that's what it's called in Spanish. La Migra is the immigration authorities. Okay. Yep. So that's ICE, not a, we call it. It's not yeah. a, a pejorative term or anything like that. It's just a, the name. That well, in, it's, it, it's what it's commonly called in Spanish. Okay. Right. I, I would mean, assume it, that's common in it, Southern California where you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. We most of us know what it is ice immigration customs enforcement. Right. Yeah. I just want to make sure that listeners understood what, what you're yeah. referring to. Yeah. No, that's reasonable. That's um, it. I guess it's just local knowledge, um, but it's it's what it gets called. So okay, and right. I'm sure sometimes it it may not be the most um, you polite. know <laughs> polite term, but yeah. it, it's it is kind of the standard term. Okay. If you're if you're speaking in Spanish, right? As, right. as far as I as far as my experience goes. There may be sure. other people who have different experiences. I suppose they call them police the five zero. It's sort of a you know a, a, a jargon, you know term. Mm-hmm. Uh, so cool. Anything else? Nope. Okay. Good. Well, let's move on to our feedback because we get some great feedback. Uh, our first feedback comes from our last episode, our last Picard episode, uh, the Watcher, where Kelly on Facebook wrote, "Great discussion. For the most part, I enjoyed this episode." It was more than a bit preachy, but it's almost impossible to not have that element included in shows these days. My favorite part of this episode was also the bus scene. I'm really enjoying Deborgified Seven this season, which I like that term, Deborgified Seven. Yeah. She was never my favorite character before, but in this season of Picard, she's probably my favorite. About Guinan mm-hmm. and the problem with her not knowing Picard. If the creators are now saying that the reason she doesn't know Picard is because they're in an alternate timeline where they never met in the 19th century... That actually goes against what's established during the bus scene. When Seven asks the punk to turn down the music, he immediately puts his hand to his neck and looks afraid, as if he's remembering when Spock used the Vulcan neck pinch on him. If they're already in an alternate timeline where the future is already changed, the events of Star Trek IV did not happen, so he shouldn't remember being neck pinched. Maybe there was an alternate Captain Kirk who went back in time for some reason around that time, but he wouldn't have had an alternate Spock with him to do the neck pinch because, in the alternate timeline, Humans are attacking non-humans. That's a so good it's yeah. a it's a good point. Um, and if so, let's see how we can headcanon that. Number one, <laughs> he's got time sickness because <laughs> who knows what kind of drugs this guy has been on? He may be able to sense alternate timelines. Yep. Um, headcanon number two: the MST3K mantra. It's just a show. I should really yeah. just relax. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's I, I did miss, I did I, miss I the, agree. Neck, the neck part. I, I agree yeah. in principle, yeah. Yeah, that, that, I, in principle, it's a, it's a problem, yeah. I did yeah. miss the neck part, that he, that he touched his neck and then shut it off. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that, that even makes it an even better scene, to be honest, just because. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I, I agree it's illogical, but I enjoy it so much I'll give it to him. Right, right. Yep. It, I, they just had to give us the fun throwback. Uh, our next feedback comes from Brandon, who sent an email. Just a random comment regarding why did Guinan realize something was up when Picard says his name. The way it made sense in my mind is that Guinan knew that the Watcher was looking over Rene Picard, so to have a Picard asking for a Watcher, coupled with her established time sickness, it was enough to get her to realize this is something possibly legit. I I agree. That makes it a little more clearer. Mm -hmm. I I think that makes it a lot clearer with with this episode. that that, that It it still doesn't doesn't make it very satisfying, the fact that that you wiped out the whole time zero episode but whatever (laughs) i i think that's i think that's clever i think it's quite possible um i also think it would not represent good writing 
if if that's mm-hmm. the explanation because if that's the explanation that's fine that's a good explanation you need as a writer to communicate that to the audience right so that you don't have audience members going why if they've never met why did she care what his name was yeah um exactly. they they need to bring that out it's like Oh, you're a Picard. I need to introduce, and you don't have to be. You don't have to be explicit about it, especially not immediately. But just a line from Guinan, like, "Oh, you're a Picard. I know a Watcher who you might be interested in," and that would at <laughs> yeah. least tell us that she is aware of a connection between the Watcher and Picard. And then the Watcher will reveal the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, and then uh, we have some feedback on our special April first. Uh, edition where we went over the worst Trek episodes ever. <laughs> where mm. uh, so our first comment comes from Paul Leone on YouTube, who wrote, "Great episode and a fun distraction on a snowy day here in the wilds of Western New York." Sadly, the Agony Booth website where the Buffalo to... Rome. Yes, that's where actually. Yeah, I think he's in Buffalo area. Mm-hmm. The uh, Agony Booth seems to have shut down earlier this year. That's a website we mentioned. I really oh. enjoyed that site and hope it comes back. So. Yeah, it it also might be on um on uh on the internet archive or something like that. Yes, yes. Uh and then we had uh, some feedback on Twitter from Greg who said, "I watched Voyager season 2 The Threshold because of this podcast. <laughs> saw, saw the space lizard sex scene, beheld the very next scene in Janeway's back to normal. Wow, awesomely awful." Yeah. So we warned you. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, warned talk, you. talk about liking punishment, apparently. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, all right. So that's all our feedback. We would like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Jeffrey W., Dennis H., Daniel M., Anne M., and Kyle J. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of Fly Me to the Moon? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, or send us an email to trek at sqpn.com, or visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or visit our new Discord community where you can join other fans and uh, at sqpn.com slash discord. And I uh, just want to make a note that you do not have to be a patron in order to uh, join the community. It's open to everyone. So we had some question on that. So we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Picard. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thanks, Tom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, people are idiots. Hello, you have reached the Q Continuum. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal minds cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call and we simply do not care. Have a nice day.